there are some te- there look there are some teams that are right in the middle of a championship window and that's where the Niners are you know the Chiefs let's be totally honest the Kansas City Chiefs they're looking at the end of their championship window that's what they want one more right now they're very desperate for it um because it's coming to a close these these Do you, I don't know if I believe that actually but they are paying a ton for their quarterback right. like I Mahomes is how old 29 He's very young still. Yes. Yeah. He he's he, you know he's got he might even be younger than that. Um, I would say they've got a five year window, depending on how long Reed wants to coach. Reed himself is older, but when you look at the Niners, right? There's you've got Shanahan, young, Lynch, young, Purdy's he's young. He's twenty eight. Yeah. So I would say I would say Mahomes is and and some of these guys played as Brady did till forty five. I would say Kansas City's got a, easily they're going to be one of the Super Bowl contenders every year for the next five years i mean you would think you would think but again contender or straight up like overlord favorite there's a difference there well that's the beauty of it i mean like seattle won a super bowl with russell but he was on the rookie deal the niners have what how many years left of of brock's rookie deal two more so their go time right now i mean there it is right now the niners have 25 million dollars that they can spread around their roster and spend it on Chase Young and D-linemen and O-linemen and receivers. They've got that money to spread around because Brock's making eight hundred and forty grand. So I would say that there's going to be a huge adjustment when suddenly you're paying Brock $25 million. So I, I would say not that the Niners can't win then. They can, but they're going to have to be really on their game and they're going to have to be spending well. Yeah, you do it differently. And that's when you need the... Oh, you got George Kittle in the sixth round. How lucky. You know, that's that's when you need that late pick to really turn into a player because you are paying premiums in places you used to get bargains. And Brock Purdy is the single biggest representation of that. Again, another thing that I think should be factored into MVP consideration. I mean, if we're really breaking down what the word value is, I don't think there's a player in sports adding more value to a team than Brock Purdy does at the price point on which he plays for the team. I mean, he might be. By the way, the yeah. NFL put out a TikTok this morning of my question to Brock last week of when I said to him, the Eagles consider you the weak link. And they, it's really good. Go, you should go. If I don't know if you're on TikTok, I know, I'm not on. That's that's the 2024 plan for the Plus. We're not there yet. Well, but I mean, are you are you a lurker? Have you no? Do you have access to TikTok? No, I don't have TikTok. Um, I'll I'll send it to you. But it's like you know, I saw in, in the power of the NFL. It's got like 57,000 views in like eight minutes. Um, but anyway, it it's it's um, you know, that's the, the the 49ers are in this mode now with Purdy where. Um, you know, they can, they've got a great opportunity to, to win with him, but he right now is playing at a very high level. He's leading the NFL in yards per attempt, and he's leading the NFL in completion percentage and like 19 other quarterback categories. So he's playing at an exceptionally high level. Um, and nobody wants to really recognize it. People want to kind of be like, call it a one-off and say that, you know, maybe this is the year the MVP goes to a running back or a defensive player or wide receiver. I've seen people make arguments for Miles Garrett and A.J. Brown, CMC. Uh, the reality is it, it, it's been a quarterback award. Um, and then people will say, well, yeah, but he he dumps it off. Um, and if you look at the numbers, that's just not really the case. I mean, he has a lower percentage of yards after the catch, um, you know, 
as far as his total yards thrown for this year, he's got a lower percentage of yards after the catch than Mahomes did during his MVP year. Larry and Aaron Rodgers did during his two MVP years. So it's just, it's just, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that are kind of, they have Brock in kind of a different category. Like he is a product of Shanahan and this system and nothing could be further from the truth. Well, I mean, no, let's I mean, be honest I about think this it's part of his truth. It's a part. Of, I mean, we need to acknowledge, but, not, but, but this also has to be known that non Brock Purdy quarterbacks, other than Jimmy Garoppolo, when Purdy stepped in week 13 against Miami last year, all quarterbacks not named Jimmy Garoppolo under Kyle Shanahan, nine and 29. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's some of the numbers are overwhelming, but again, I let's acknowledge that situations dictate careers as much as talent does. And the young man's in a wonderful situation, putting that on the table. No there's no one else who I think could be as wonderful in this situation, just based on Purdy is wired to be this humble. Yes. Coach. I'm not going to let my own talent kind of dictate what I think I'm going to do. I'm going to stay within the constraints of what you're asking me to do coach. And that is why we will all have success together to buoy some of what you just said. Um, if your argument was that Purdy pads his stats with yak yards, you're incorrect about that. 48.5% of Purdy's passing yards this season have come after the catch. Patrick Mahomes last year was at 54%. So Mahomes had a greater distance traveled on legs to his passes than what Purdy even has. So if that's your argument against him, you didn't make that against Patrick Mahomes. Again, if Purdy's numbers were attached to a quarterback people anointed as super cool, they would be, the argument would be this needs to be a unanimous MVP. If Mahomes had these numbers, it would be a unanimous argument. If it were Aaron Rodgers, if it were Josh Allen, if it were uh, Lamar, if it were uh, Herbert, if it were uh, Tua, if it had been a super cool young quarterback that everybody liked in the first place, not a interloper who came out of nowhere that no one saw coming, so no one wants to give him the credit. Brock Purdy leads all quarterbacks in the following statistics. Passer rating, yards per attempt, yards per pass completed, adjusted yards per attempt, net yards per attempt, adjusted net yards per attempt, completion percentage, touchdown percentage, QBR, passer success rating, expected points added per dropback, total EPA. The only two categories which he does not lead are in passing yards, which is C.J. Stroud in his rookie year, very impressive, and in touchdowns, Dak Prescott right now leads the NFL in touchdown passes, and we have determined the same way we determined that average and RBIs aren't exactly t the whole telling story stats in baseball. So we've made up all these other statistics deeming yards and touchdowns don't tell the whole story. So now when you go into the yard to the stats that tell the whole story, the story is Brock Purdy, 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 Brock Purdy. That's that's the story. It's so, been an incredible. And it, I mean, yeah. So when does he get his? I love of all the sound bites. The one I loved was from Richard Sherman, who was like, this is a second year quarterback. And you know what? Give him what, he, you know, he give him his flowers. And if you don't want to give him his flowers, he's like, Brock Purdy just needs to go win a Super Bowl and take it. And, and, and here's the bottom line is a lot of people looked at him and said, well, and this was when they, they were there. Were a lot of people pushing for Trey Lance at the time. And they just assumed that Brock, because he was a little bit more diminutive, uh, didn't have much of an arm, didn't throw the ball down the field. Suddenly it was, it became a referendum on arm strength and what he does down the field instead of just winning and, and, and having success. But now here's Purdy in first week in December 
leading the NFL in yards per attempt and completion percentage. So the dink and dunk argument is just out the window. And of the 10 quarterbacks who have thrown at least 20 touchdowns, Purdy has the second fewest picks, leads the NFL in passer rating, as you mentioned, and is tied for the most passes of 40-plus yards. He's the betting favorite to win the MVP as of this morning. He's jumped Hurts. He's jumped Prescott. And it's an amazing thing. This is an um, this truly is almost like a a, a Disney hard to believe kind of a kind of a script. This it's guy, no- the the guy went from Mister Irrelevant to this guy can't be the starter to why isn't he in the MVP? Why you know conversation? It's the greatest um, story in the NFL since Kurt Warner, bar none. It's incredible. It's an incredible story. Um, and as far as the yards after the catch, here's the numbers on that. Um, he's not the only quarterback to benefit from yards after the catch. On the season, 48.5% of Purdy's passing yards have happened after the catch. Um, and Mike Sando, who's a good friend, he writes for The Athletic, um, had it in his article that that's right on par with the past 10 MVP quarterbacks. The league yeah. average is 47%. And Patrick Mahomes was at 54% last year. Yep. Nobody was saying, hey, you know, Mahomes is a product of, uh, you know, yards after the catch. They're just like, Mahomes is a bad MFer. But Purdy does it, and it's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, right. I'm not really sure. Yeah. And what then also third down. I mean, what is, this. It, is it Patrick Mahomes' physical attributes that make everyone ignore the fact that he was in an incredible system? You know Andy Reid and that and that two steps ahead of everybody offense that they're running in Kansas City. And name any quarterback in any era; they're all in great systems. I mean, yep. Kurt Warner had had Torrey Holt and Isaac Keem and Isaac Bruce. I mean, these guys are Hall of Fame right. type the receivers. Only thing, the only guy who really was like, "Wow, he made everybody better all the time." Brady. You know, he had a year of 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 Randy Moss, and they set records together. But really, Brady did. He was he did have he did have Gronk. And Edelman, who was a Super Bowl MVP, yep. and at one point Randy Moss and Aaron yeah, he, he also made Dion Branch. You know, Dion Branch, I think, had a phenomenal Super Bowl. Uh, but I mean, if it's pretty right now on third down, that's what I mean. Just in this last game against Philly, these are the third downs: third and three, three yard pass to Kittle for a first; third and one, thirteen yard pass to Debo for a first; third and goal from the two, two yard pass to Ayuk for a touchdown; third and five. 18-yard pass to, to J.J. for a first. Third and three, 33-yard pass to McCaffrey for a first. Third and seven, Eagles had just scored. They made it 21-13, 10-yard pass to Ayuk for a first. Third and nine, eight-yard pass to Jennings, and then McCaffrey would convert on the fourth and one on the next play. And then third and five, Purdy, 18-yard touchdown pass to Jennings. I mean, the guy had two drives where the Niners didn't look good. They went three and out or whatever. And then converted seven of the next eight third downs. And he did it on the road in the most hostile of territories against the best team in the NFC outside of the Niners. And I mean, if that doesn't make you believe, then you're just never going to believe. <laughs> and that's fine. Um, but I mean, this this guy is is really, really special. And his teammates, I mean, I think it's time for us to say it. Brock Purdy's great. Brock Purdy's great. We, it's not about his Mr. Irrelevant. It's not about anything else. Brock Purdy's great. Well, and and He's look the at best nine quarterbacks and Steve Young. Look, look at how good he is this early into his career. That's what makes it totally absurd. That's what suggests that the designation of greatness is an unfounded or misplaced. To be this good, this efficient, 
this in control, this mistake-free so early in a career. I mean, when you go and start comparing his numbers of this season to other quarterbacks and their seasons of MVP qualifications, they're all into their careers. They're, they're, they've all played several seasons and had become fully grown NFL veterans by the time that they were producing like this. Brock Purdy has taken this league by storm in a manner of which only Patrick Mahomes has. You know, I mean, seriously, when you think well, about and, it. And you, totally. And if you said, you know, it's a young quarterback, what do you do? Just dial up the blitz. He won't be able to handle it. He won't be able to, to uh, you know, react to it. You'll we all we got to do is we got to speed him up. Right. You can't you can't do that. It doesn't Purdy work. Eats blitzes for breakfast. Yeah, seriously, they blitzed him ten times. He was ten for ten for two hundred and thirteen yards and three touchdowns and a perf perfect passer rating of one fifty eight point three. So good? you can't yeah you can't blitz him. So I mean, how many twenty three year old quarterbacks can you honestly sit there and go? Well, we can't blitz him. I mean, if you blitz him, you're giving him defined reads, and he's carving you up like a like a like a Halloween pumpkin. Right. So, who was the quarterback? It was a maybe it was uh, it was Zach Wilson or someone. It was it was I, I can't remember. Maybe he was wearing a Jets uniform. I don't know. But they were playing the Patriots, and they cut away, and the NFL like network microphones picked up them saying like I'm seeing ghosts out there. Sam Darnold. Oh, that's right. It was Sam Darnold. It was Sam Darnold out there. And it's it, it Purdy does not see these ghosts. Um, how do you confuse a young quarterback? Larry just brought it down. You blitz him and then you just run scheme diversity at him where he's looking at a different defense every single time he's looking up on third right. down. Well, Purdy is number one in the league against any and all defenses. Whatever you want to say is out there. Cover two, man-to-man, -man, zone, half zone, half man, whatever shell, whatever whatever the nom de plume of du jour of defense is, three, four, four, three, five, two, seven, three, whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Whatever Greg Papa is going to say 55 times on his show today to sound like he's <laughs> in the meeting room. Um, Staggered screens. Purdy beats uh, it. Yeah, the floppy set. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's coming off that too, Larry. I mean, he is he he beats any and all defenses he sees. He beats passive defenses in a zone. He beats aggressive blitzing defenses. It's it's pretty phenomenal, and it's kind of unprecedented this early in a career. This this player would be so efficient. He's just a, he's an incredible player. I'm, I'm going to share the screen. I'm going to show you this question I asked him yesterday and just look, I mean, this is kind of where this guy is. I mean, he's in a real comfort zone. Listen to this answer. I basically was just asking him about the fact that Wednesdays and Thursdays are the install days. And I just was asking him, is, that, is this the first time can you, you see get the, the, can you get the, the quote up or the, the Bazzy man? Sorry. Thank you very much for the, for interacting with us, but take the, take. Okay. Take the, if there's if there's one thing Larry Kruger needs to improve upon as he is hosting the control room of 49ers Wake Up, it is the addition <laughs> and subtraction of chats. There we here go. We go. Here we go. We'll get to that, Bazzy Meon, because it was a good one. Uh, here's Brock from yesterday in, down in Santa Clara. Brock, the uh, Wednesday and Thursday is when you guys typically install. Is that a surprise to you as far as the game plan? Are you seeing it for the first time, or does Kyle – consult with you on Monday and Tuesday about some of the things that maybe you want in the game plan that week or is Wednesday your first day? No, yeah. Wednesday's usually my first day. You know, I'll go in and talk to him on the off days and just sort of get an idea of like what we're thinking. 
Um, but then the first time I see the plays is on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, it's because they're doing all their studying and prep. Uh, they want everything to be perfect for when we see it for the first time, you know. So, um, you know, do I like it? Yeah. I mean, I, I trust in them. I'd like them to prepare, like, as coaches and, and give us the best game plan as possible, you know. So, um, but it's worked, you know, since I've been here. So. And yeah. that Kyle wants, he wants a yes, chef, quarterback. Yes, chef, whatever you need, chef. Right away, chef. How do you want those dice? Do you want them Julianne? Do you want them quartered? You want them, what, what do you need? Yes, chef. And that's why Purdy is perfect for Shanahan. It's why the relationship is so healthy. Um, and this guy's also about the team, the team, the team, the team. I'm going to sh show you the other question. This is the other one I asked him from yesterday. And this is also another, you know, I asked him about how good it felt. You know, you saw that footage of him running off the field in Philly and all the Niner fans chanting Purdy. I mean, they're literally chanting Purdy, Purdy, Purdy. And he's like, let's go, let's go. And he runs off the field. I asked him about it yesterday. Look how he deflects. How cool does it feel to, to run off the field in Philly last week, having the, all those Niner fans there chanting your name? That, that had to be kind of a cool moment for you. Yeah, I mean, just the support that you get, you know, from the faithful and when we go on the road games, even if it's East Coast, they show up um, and they're there, man, um, all the way through. And so to be able to pull out a, a, a great win like that and then run off the field and have them still be there supporting all of our guys running out was, uh, was, was special for all of us. I mean, just like, you know, it's a, it's literally the it's they're chanting Purdy, Purdy, Purdy. And he's just like, you know what? Hey, just scroll that faithful for all of us, you know, team guy, team guy to the bitter end. So, yeah, I mean, the players love him. Uh, Coward went at him for wearing his hat backwards, which was made Coward sound like 150 years old. Um, and then I noticed that yesterday in the locker room, Kittle's doing interviews. Oh, hold on a second, guys. Puts takes a hat out, puts it on backwards. McCaffrey's sitting there. He's got no hat on. He goes to talk to us, puts a hat on, flips it backwards. I mean, I, I don't know if anybody else caught that, but it was like a show of solidarity there for their guy. I mean, they, you know, they, you're going to go at Brock. They're going to kind of show you. They're going to, you know, they're supporting their guy. So, you know, it's been a great ride. It's been a great ride. And there's a hunger and a determination in the around the Niners to get this thing done. Um. Okay, Look, well, I want I want you to, if you can, Larry, go through the supers. Then we'll kind of talk about the NFL this weekend. Then I want to a little on the Shohei watch, and we'll talk about our favorite rumors and innuendo in just a second. But let's let's blow through the supers here, and then we will, of course, wrap up with the uh, Trent Balky Ralph Barbieri conversation that everyone is is just waiting for. Um. Okay. Let's see. Here we go. Um. The Kyle question. Okay. Here's another one. Elite Archer. So if Eddie D were still the owner, do you think Kyle would be safe? Guess the gold standard died in San Francisco media also. Um, I don't know what Elite Archer wants to have happen. I, <laughs> I mean, seriously, Eddie D was notoriously impatient. The 49ers, I mean, <clears throat> know your Niner history. That's what I would say. Elite Archer, you sound like you're 10. If you know your Niner history, you know that the Niners were a Super Bowl contender from 81 through 99. That's a lot of years. How many do they have? Five. They've got five. So they won in 81. They didn't win in 82. They lost the NFC Championship game in 83. They won in 84. The 85 Bears won. The 86 Giants won. The 87 Redskins won. 
but the, the Niners monster teams. You just you just rattled off three one and done Super Bowl teams that were awesome. Monsters. And the Niners were great all of those years and didn't right. win. And guess what? Walsh did not get fired. All right. Seifert right. did not get fired. 88 Niners win again under Walsh. 89 Niners win again under Seifert. 90 they're in the NFC Championship game. Roger fumbles. Did they fire Seifert? No. Right. Then you 91, run peak you Brett Bar for all those years. Right. 91. I think I think it was uh, Green Bay won in 91. Did the Niners fire their coach? No. In 92, the Niners were the best team in pro football. Steve Young won the MVP. They hosted the NFC Championship game at Candlestick. Dallas came in and beat them. Did the Niners fire their coach? No. 93, they played in that same game, but this time it was in Dallas. The Niners lost. Did they fire their head coach? No. No. You know, the Niners won again in 94. They beat the Chargers. That was their last Super Bowl. Um, and then 95, I mean, I think, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, Dallas won again. And the Niners lost, I think, to Green Bay that year. And it's like they didn't just every year, they don't just, you know, Eddie D. I know Eddie D had high standards. Eddie D did not fire Seifert and Walsh every time he was disappointed. So I don't know the gold standard that you're talking about. Go look up your Niner history. They were 14 and two, they were 13 and three, they were 15 and one. They lost to Minnesota one year, um, and Anthony Carter went crazy. That, I think it was the Redskin year in 87. Niners were 15 and one or 14 and two in 1987. And they lost in the first round um, to the Minnesota Vikings and Jerry Burns and you know, Tommy Kramer and Anthony Carter. So, I mean, it's just like, well, you know what? Gold, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Here's the thing the gold standard of good ownership is not overreacting or panicking. Okay. I mean, that's what really, that's what, that's what real ownership and leadership is. There are times when you have to acknowledge, okay, maybe this group collectively has reached its full potential. It's time for a new voice in the room. And that's when you start making decisions, but you can't make that decision just based off the result of one game. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, had Jim Harbaugh won his Super Bowl, I think he's still on a short leash with 49ers ownership just because he was rubbing people the wrong way. I mean, would he have been around longer? Yes, but they were also reaching the end of the Jim Harbaugh era, I think, no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. They the had players been- were getting tired of Harbaugh. Yeah, and by the way, that happened at Stanford. That happened at Stanford. They're, they were having the most amount of success Stanford football had had in decades under Jim Harbaugh, and everybody associated in that athletic department couldn't fucking stand him. Andrew Luck, chief among them. I mean, well, I mean the guys in the guys that may win a national championship this year, and Michigan probably he probably leaves at the end of the year. Well, so, I mean, he's just a he's just a di- he's just a prickly, difficult right. guy. He's a great football coach. They're working but... on like an eleven million dollar a year contract for him, which is a I mean, that's a monster number. Yeah. Um, so we'll see whatever we'll see. happens. We'll see. There. But I mean, it seems like there's an awful lot of NFL teams that feel like Harbaugh is going to be out there. I've heard him tied to the Bears. I've heard him tied to Dallas, the Raiders, the Colts. Um, yeah, you know, there, there's there's a lot of people are going to be coming knocking at his door. Elite uh, Archer, look, Elite Archer, you're a, you're a, you're a good fan. You're on here an awful lot. You're very interactive. But the correct answer, as you look at the current 49ers as they're built, you shouldn't be looking to fire anyone. Like, are you forget about like knowing your history? Are you paying attention right now? Like right fucking now to the season that you're in? Are you looking at this season and evaluating it as if it doesn't end the way I want it to? 
someone has to get fired. This is spectacular football being played over the stretch of three or four years by this franchise. The only thing that they haven't done was bring home a Lombardi trophy. They've literally done everything else. So and once again, I mean, you know, um, it takes no skill. I, I myself with a sledgehammer can destroy your kitchen. I can't, I can't give you a new kitchen. You know, I can't make new cabinets. I can't put in new grout. I can't put in new flooring, new lighting, new fixtures. I can't do any of it. I can't do any of it. But if you give me a sledgehammer, I can go into your kitchen and I can destroy it. That should be the name of a show you do, Larry. It's the I Can Destroy Your Kitchen by Larry Kruger. <laughs> I can destroy your kitchen, but I cannot build it up. So anybody can take a sledgehammer like you just did there, Elite Archer, and say, Kyle gone who's better that's the tricky part right we're gonna get i'd like everybody who suggests that kyle should be out needs to come forward with the next guy who's the higher yeah so you're getting rid of kyle okay i'm not gonna sit there I'm, it's, I, he's not my dad you know it's not like it's not like i'm you know defending him to the death so we're not blood related okay you're gonna get rid of kyle okay and who's who's coming in I've heard people say in the last five years, Ken Dorsey, Ken Dorsey, really? Ken Dorsey just got fired in Buffalo. You really, you really as the OC. How Matt, good is Buffalo this he, year? He got scapegoated. He really did. Poor he Ken did. Dorsey. I mean, I like Ken. Ken's a good guy. Went to uh, Amir Mani and Arenda. He's a Bay Area guy. He's a good kid. Um, and he's a good coach and he'll get another job. But my point is this idea that, you know, Shanahan is just totally replaceable and that there's all kinds of dudes just, sitting around that are better that's fine could you name i don't know maybe one you know give me one name if you're gonna fire that guy i need to know one name that you're at least considering replacing him with right if you're if your answer is andy reed i'd say well you just traded away like 20 years of age so that's the wrong deal to make that's right you know, let's I mean, get rid of kerr and go hire popovich <laughs> right <laughs> right you know it's like what uh you know come on i mean Anybody can destroy the kitchen. Hardly anybody can build it up. Anybody can say fire Kyle's ass. Nobody can sit there and say this guy would be better. And here's why a B C D E F, you know, tell me who's better. Uh, I'm not saying he's the greatest coach of all time. I don't believe that, but I don't think that he needs to be held to a standard of super bowl or his he's fired because um, I really believe that there'd be 10 coaches fired with the idea that maybe we can attract Kyle Shanahan and I would say huge I, package. And I'll just say this too. And this is something that fans just, you know, they, I don't know if they do or don't understand it, but they forget about it. Like you think you want to win a super bowl. Imagine being Kyle Shanahan with your age, like 15 years in the last five with your father, Lord, his shadow lording over you. Like as a made man, the day he wins. Yep. Right. And and the, the, the pressure is real. He wants it so bad. This is his chosen life vocation. It's the holy grail. It is. And only 18 living human beings have ever even touched that holy grail as a head coach. Right. You know, it's it's hard to do. Every element of this is hard to do. Like I read something that was that almost pissed me off. I did a show about it, Larry. The you know, Pro Football Talk came out with its power rankings in the NFL after the 49er game and beat the Eagles. And they're like, if the 49ers stay healthy, 
they're going to win the Super Bowl easily. No, they're not. No, No, they're they're not. not. There's no such thing as that was an easy Super Bowl win, except for maybe 55-10 Niners over Broncos. Like, that's that was an easy game, but it wasn't an easy road. Right. It doesn't get easy. There are no easy Super Bowls. It doesn't. Now, if they stay healthy, here's the thing. I I agree with the first half of that. They should win the Super Bowl. If they stay healthy, they have as good of a chance to win a Super Bowl as anybody. And maybe if we're using, you know, statistics to make arguments, they might have a better chance than anybody to win a Super Bowl. But it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Hell no. I mean, and and look at these teams that are going to be standing there in the in the winner's circle. If if they can get through the gauntlet of the NFC playoffs. Get by Philly, get by Dallas, get by Detroit, whatever teams, uh, other team you want to throw in there. They're going to be on Super Bowl Sunday in Vegas, Kansas City, Baltimore, or Miami is probably going to be sitting there. And those are all going to be head knocker games, right? I don't know if you've caught Miami in the last month. Miami's defense is starting to really play well, and their offense is explosive as hell. Baltimore's got Lamar on offense, a killer running game and better weapons than they've had in years and the number one defense. And Kansas City's got Mahomes and Reed, and we all know how difficult Mahomes and Reed have been. Right. Uh, when the Niners are always carrying their team right now. And the number one, and another great defense with tons of speed and Chris Jones, who wrecks shop. So, yeah, I mean, this, none of this is going to be easy. And that's why they have the parades. That's why they make such a big deal of it. Geo Kane, uh, why Patrick Mahomes isn't leading in all these areas since he don't need great players around him. He's the god of quarterbacks. He should be leading because you need these things called receivers. And you saw that bomb up top to Marquez Valdez-Scantling that he dropped. Right, You see you some Sky more. And you know what I mean? That's why I, I want to see the Niners grab Ertz. To me, um, Ertz would be a huge get for the Niners. Why? One, because Dwelly is probably going on the IR. He's definitely going to be out a while. He's got a high ankle sprain. And you prevent him going from a team that could hurt you. And he's a bl- exactly. It's the block. I don't want to see Ertz in 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 um, you know in anywhere. I don't want to see him in Kansas City. Right. By the way, imagine that for a two tight end set: Zach Ertz and and Travis Kelsey out on right? patterns. Come on, I mean, you know that would be incredible. What about Philly? I mean, Dallas Goddard broke his forearm. You think he's, you don't think Philly could use him? They could. Buffalo could use him. You know, do you realize how, how just different of a 49ers offense Kyle Shanahan could invent on the fly at the end of the year here? Like he could go straight up New England, Gronk, Aaron Gronkowski, double tight end threat of death coming at you up and down a football field, plus install, you know, a wall for Christian McCaffrey to be running behind. It'll be great. The Niners had a two receiver tight end combo briefly in the 2020 season. Remember when they had Jordan Reed and he was healthy and they had Kittle and it looked amazing. It looked absolutely amazing. And they're they're trying to recreate that. That's why they drafted Latou and Braden Willis. But Latou's on the IR. Willis hasn't broken through. Warner's more of a blocker. I mean, I want Ertz just because of a security Security uh, deal in case you get a dinged up uh, Kittle in the playoffs. Kittle Kittle loves to run through people and over people, and that leads to injuries. If you've got if Kittle goes down and you get to Super Bowl Sunday and you've got Charlie Warner. Now I like Charlie Warner. I just talked to him two days ago, but he's a blocker and he's right. and he's got one catch all year, I think. Um, and Ross Dwelly is not, um, you know, he's a special teamer. 
So if you if you have Ertz sitting there, you now you've still got a receiving tight end who's a force. If you have insurance policy. Yeah, I mean, the Niners could use that. And the two tight end set could be lethal, absolutely lethal. Um, Elite Archer comes back. I'm very well aware of my history. Eddie has his held his players and coaches accountable. He threw shit around the locker room. Well, I'm going to tell you, you, any owner who walks into an NFL locker room in 2023 and throws anything around other than compliments, they're not, they're going to lose a team. They're like the, the, the Eddie D throws shit around the locker room. Doesn't fly any more than Bob Knight threw that chair across the basketball court. It, it just doesn't work. It's the world's different. Yeah. And by the way, if Eddie D were such a great owner, why did he fumble the bag about as hard as humanly possible? And he was a great owner. Don't get me wrong. He was a great owner. He's the greatest he owner was. in the NFL. He, he was great. He was great. But, you know. I'm not going to hold the Edwin Edwards thing against him. Uh, he was pardoned for that. He's moved on. It was a mistake. Right. This guy's done so many incredible things. Jeff Fuller got partially paralyzed. He paid his bills for, like, the rest of his life. Uh, Eddie D literally has walked the walk. And... um as right. far as I'm concerned, but he also lived in a world where you could spend a level of money. Like the the rules were different, the world was different, the whole NFL was different. Right back then, totally. You could you could take the entire organization, wives and girlfriends included, and say, "Hey, we're going to go to Colorado Springs and stay in a resort, and it's all going to be free, and it's all on me." You know what I mean? Now you're breaking like 19 rules of the cap if you even try to do anything like that. If you probably bought every. Uh, Every person in the organization's wife flowers. You'd probably draw some kind of salary cap penalty these days. Uh, Mike Baker says, longtime 49er fans know being in the mix is better than not. Yeah, I mean, you, that's how you do it. I mean, that's how you that's how you win lots of rings. You got to be in the mix. You got to be in the mix. And the Niners are, the, you know, the, the great part about where they're at right now is Kyle's relatively young. Lynch is relatively young. Yeah. Birdie's 23. The Niners are have a have a real bright future. They're doing really well from the standpoint of they find guys on day two, day two and day three of the draft and after the draft that can help them. And they they compete for the top players in free agency. So they've got a roster that's star studded and deep. Right. And they and got that's Joan a great combo. Payroll. They got Joan in payroll, making sure that no one's embezzling 22 million over the course of several years. So they're on that front, too. Yeah. Did you see that story in Jacksonville, by the way? Yeah, about the guy who just was using some private accounts and had bought yeah. all kinds of property with Jaguar funds. Reminds me of uh, Office Space. Totally, totally. We got <laughs> imagine it's the greatest movie of all of time, penny. by the way. A fraction of a penny is all it is. And they're just, you know, they're little pennies. And that sounds like stealing. You sound like you're stealing. Uh, maybe the best movie of all time. Um, Godfather, right. Goodfellas, Office Space. That's Office Space. Office Space. <laughs> Is that my red stapler? I swing don't want to move to swing. Uh, yeah, we're gonna need you to come in on Saturday. Yeah, oh, Lumberg, Blupter, Blupter, Lumberg. <laughs> I mean, just, just yeah, we're gonna need you to come in on Saturday. Yeah. He got M. Patel, two chicks at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you had a million dollars, what would you want? Two chicks at the same time. All right. <laughs> that was just one of the classic. You don't have enough flair. You know, Jennifer right. Anderson didn't have enough flair. 
But oh. we, I think the, under, the most underrated scene in that movie is when they're coming down from there. We just got away with stealing from the company party, and they're all having their little drink fest. And the guy who is uh, uh, the, the 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 you know not not going to be working here anymore. That guy, and he comes out and he goes back up in the ass with the resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, what? What? What was this? What was the uh, the? Um, was it a Coolio song when they were destroying the printer in the field? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, oh, oh, just God. awesome! Yeah, it was, just awesome. The soundtrack in that movie's hysterical. It's fantastic. The, the, all every just. every bit of it works. It really does. What else have we got right. here from a uh, from a chat standpoint? Well, we're, we're we're coming down to the end of it. We've got Brandon Green. who says, "Krug, can we get a Trent Balk imitation?" Hey, wait a minute. That's my that's my job. And, and Larry does the Ralph and I do the Trent. Come on. Really? You know, Larry, I, I, you know, I always felt like Damon was a little unfair, a little bit unfair. I always felt like Larry was a little a little fair. He has some stupid questions in elevators, but he was a, I always felt he was fair. He was fair. Or, you know, Damon would go at me kind of hard, kind of hard on the radio. And I didn't necessarily appreciate it. Ask those tough questions about Thanksgiving side dishes, which just left him perplexed. Again, my favorite Trent Balky story is I asked him what color shirt he was wearing. And then at the end of the interview, Bob Sargent texts me and says he's actually wearing a different color shirt than he admitted. <laughs> he couldn't be straight. He couldn't, he couldn't be a straight shooter about the shirt. Oh, my God. My, my, my favorite, though, was when we're sitting there with Harbaugh and Balky, me and you. And that was it. And we're doing the post-draft breakdown of why did you like A.J. Jenkins? And Harbaugh clearly had never seen him play, had nothing to say at all. And then Trent bust out this long, self-serving tale about, a, you know, I wrote A.J. Jenkins' name in an envelope, and I put it in my top drawer. And I looked at my at my top drawer today, and it's like, all this crap about some horrendous wide receiver that they overdrafted by 19 rounds. And, and he had this, and it was like, it was like he was stealing directly from the movie draft day too. He's like, you know, the old Vontae Mack, no matter what, you know, that right. from uh, Kevin Costner who played Sonny Weaver, the GM of the Browns, he was pulling his Sonny Weaver. I wrote AJ Jenkins name down and, and I put it in an envelope and I just wanted to make sure but I looked, I opened it up and I looked at it and I said, that's our guy, Lowry. And the behind the scenes, <laughs> like, the, the behind the scenes that we learned after the fact is the player that Harbaugh wanted was Colin Kaepernick. And that's when and I believe the next that's right, pick, the next draft pick was Colin Kaepernick in the second round. And Jim Harbaugh basically the very next day said, Yeah, I wrote down a name in an envelope, and it was Colin Kaepernick. Like Harbaugh was furious that Balky went out on his own and did AJ Jenkins. And if we were really looking for the where did the fissure between Harbaugh and Balky really start, it might have been that show with us, Larry. Well, actually, you know what? My intel tells me, and I've got good intel on this one, that really what happened here was that Harbaugh, and this is honest truth, and I've got good sources on this, that Harbaugh wanted to squeeze the Niners for more money. The Niners had a vested interest because they liked McLuhan and then liked liked uh, uh, Trent Baalke. Of, they wanted to have Trent Baalke as the general manager. Harbaugh wanted Michael Lombardi to be the general manager. Harbaugh, through his agent, David Dunn, 
signed the deal, five-year deal. I think it was $5 million a year for Harbaugh. They have the press conference. The very next day, Harbaugh goes in and says, I don't want Trent Baalke. I want Michael Lombardi. And the word of that got back to Trent Baalke. And that's why those guys never, even though they almost never had that happy moment ever again because they, you know, Trent knew that Harbaugh shanked him and he knew about it. And And that's why he started shanking Harbaugh through the media and he was the leak. Right. So it was like all of a sudden it was, you had all kinds of leaks, you had all kinds of dysfunction. And that's why when Jed hired Shanahan and Lynch, he allowed Shanahan to self-appoint his general manager because he wanted to make sure that the general manager and the head coach, which is the central relationship in any pro football organization, that everything was copacetic, that they were on the same page, that they weren't trying to survive one another, that they were actually going to work together. And that's why there's such a bond between Shanahan and Lynch, because that's what Jed wanted and that's what they represented. And that's what they've delivered. I mean, John has not turned on Kyle. Kyle has not turned on John. Uh, They're in lockstep. And boy, Larry, did they have a this could divide the House United moment with everything we went through over Trey Lance, right? Sure. No doubt. If either guy was going to start, excuse me, if either guy was going to start pulling the card of the other guy, it could have been in that moment with all of the discontent that was swirling around that moment. If either guy was going to break faith with the other, that might've been the moment that it happened and it didn't. And that's about as big of a pressure filled public drafting blunder as any NFL team will ever have. Truthfully, it really was. And the fact that the Niners then come on back and get Brock Purdy and are able to just sail through what would have been a catastrophic situation for just about any other team, GM coach relationship. It's, it's again, it's, it's It's part of the ultimate question too. It is the ultimate question. If Brock Purdy had not come about, what would, what would the standing be of the regime? You know what I'm saying? If you invested that much in Trey Lance yeah, and it didn't work out and you didn't have Brock Purdy to fall back on and you're literally starting a new Sands three draft choices or four draft choices. Oh, everything would be different. Uh, everything would be different. Everything, everything would be different. different. The good feeling, the, the universe, contract extensions or, uh, they just got different. It would all be different. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Bobo says, um, will the Levi's renovation make the it better? No, they're only going to it's going to make luxury boxes for rich people better as a fan sitting in the 400. Level hear about this. This. Oh, yeah, they're putting it before the next Super Bowl comes around. They're doing a whole bunch of renovations, new scoreboard, all that sort of stuff for before they host the Super Bowl. What is your number? I mean, I don't even know if I want to go down this road, but what is your, I've got to ask because I personally. I remember me and Tanika Smothers, the great Tanika Smothers, who was uh, worked worked now works for the Athletic, but worked for Cambiar at the time. She was We're leaving producer. the so many, so many uh, pre and post game shows. Great, great lady. I love her. She's a tremendous person. Me and her are leaving the final um, the final game, the Bowman game against mm-hmm. the Falcons at Candlestick. Final game. <laughs> We've done the post game. We're going down that that. Remember that two-story escalator yep. that went out to par- parking lot and gate E. Yep. Remember how that thing was monster. 
So we're going down the escalator, and I hear her scream, this high pitched scream. Ah! I'm like, what? What? We look down the escalator. There's two raccoons running up the escalator. So, I mean, Candlestick was literally, I mean, it was, I mean, I look at that. I think of that moment when I think of they needed a new house. And I don't have, I know the, the, the new house is not, is not, uh, didn't, didn't have a lot of warmth or memories or, or feeling or whatever, but it's a bowl. It's a football bowl. I don't expect it to be like an intimate baseball stadium where it's got new, you know, all kinds of neat little things. I didn't expect a lot. I like Levi's. I, I don't love the, I don't love their, how to get in and how to get out as far as the media. It's goofball. I mean, it's, it's, it's totally doesn't work. They need a new traffic pattern. Outside of that, I like it. I like the stadium. I think it's clean. I like the press box. I think it's huge. Um, it's, all new, hold on, hold on. All it's new fine. Stadiums, I, I all like new the stadium clean. All new press boxes are huge. So, like, you don't even get credit for either. But I mean, I like I like the you know Cambiar a studio in there it was a nice little studio. the The TV studio downstairs is nice. the The media room that they have is fine. the The court. I'm there Wednesdays and Thursdays. They got that club level that I'll do videos at, kind of recapping practice. It's lush. It's nice. It's it's uh, you know, I, I like Levi's. I, I really don't have a, a lot of complaints. It's not. I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't know what you're looking for. What is your number one complaint with Levi's? Because to me, if, if your number one complaint is, man, it sure is hot in the sun. Well, that's come on. We're talking about Santa Clara in the fall. Right. But it's it's devoid of architectural interest. It is the least creative. It, it, it looks nothing like the, the stadiums that have come after it. I mean, look at SoFi. Look at what they did in Atlanta. SoFi is spectacular. Look at what they did in Seattle. Seattle still got a better stadium, and that thing opened years ago. Like, it, it, there's nothing about what makes it better. Stadium. Well, what it makes it, it better. Just the it, look it, you're saying. It, the look, the way it captures, you see that football level stadium, the, the stands in the end zone there, and you know exactly where you are. It speaks of the city. To me, Levi Stadium feels like Facebook went out and built a stadium. It From the outside, it looks like it's still being built. I mean, I always got no, the feeling that your number one complaint is that it wasn't in San Francisco. Well, I don't like that either. But that's also a reality that, you know, I, I you got to give up. To me, the point is, if you're going to build something outside of San Francisco, it should have been such a remarkable, truly remarkable destination that, you you know, you, you can't help but but say, well, you got to just keep on going back. Like, it sucks that they built it so far away from San Francisco, but this place is incredible. That is not the uh, review you get from anybody. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, I don't, I've never understood the the uh, discontent for the stadium it's clean it's nice it's they had candlestick the i like the weather in santa clara better now i'm not sitting in the sun right you're not getting cooked i'm and not getting cooked the, how so. did the sun sneak up on them when they've been practicing down there for the better part of 25 years like but the how do you avoid they sun they didn't <laughs> well you, you with shade Mary, with shade with some sort of you know look at look at what i'll tell you how you avoid the sun look at what they've done in Las Vegas, that's the stadium. When you walk in it, you feel, but you feel like you're outside inside of that dome. You feel like you're still outside. It's the most really? naturally lit dome you're ever going to walk into. It's like you're outside still. And I don't know. I just, really? oh yeah. Oh, it, it you got now, SoFi, I think is legitimately badass. I mean, I SoFi looks incredible. Yet. I have not even been to, SoFi. I haven't been there either, but I just, based on what I've it seen of incredible. it, it looks incredible.
Uh, I would say so far. Minnesota Stadium isn't dome stadium, but you feel like you're outdoors when you're in it. There's so much natural light. Well, would you want a dome? I don't want a dome. I would not be happy. Happy. I like open air. I don't want a dome for my stadium. I wouldn't want not it. Northern either. California. I wouldn't want it either. But you still can provide shade, like they did in Seattle. Yeah. Like there is yeah. coverage, uh, cover coverage over there. And if you're saying, well, you couldn't build it because of the airport, well, then you built it in the wrong place again. And I get, the, you know, and the whole thing was it's supposed to be easier to get in and out of. It's not. It might even be harder than candlestick to get in and out of. So they didn't. No, it's not harder. Ingress, candlestick. Ingress. candlestick had water on three sides. And one and one route out to the to 101. This has multiple freeways rolling by. You got the 880. You got the 237. You got. It's still a pain in the ass, and the actual parking lot sucks. And look, I it doesn't matter. The football team when the football team is good, the stadium matters less. When the football team's bad, no one wants to go to that stadium. For the there were there was a decade, Larry, where it was the only bit of Bay Area real estate that was losing value. Had you had bought an original PSL in there over the first several seasons, you couldn't sell your ticket on the open market. You couldn't give it away. So I don't you. know. I, 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 I personally, I mean, different opinions. I, I like it. I like the stadium. It's, I think it's really nice. I look it's forward to going there. If you did, if you had to sit anywhere other than the press box, I don't think you'd feel that yeah, way. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Especially in the sun, in the, in the late summer. Um, and I look at it sometimes and I'm like, wow, the sun is setting. In these people's eyes, yeah. What are they seeing on the upper deck, opposite from the? A lot of blur. A lot of yeah. I mean, I mean, I just can't imagine that would be like seem like a major headache. All right, this is the super of supers. I'm old Greg. He says, guys, I got so drunk last night, broke up with my girlfriend, got in a fist fight with my best friend, and I pooped my pants. I'm not sure what to deal with first. Was that? <laughs> Wait, that was all of Philly Monday morning. LOL. That is awesome. Nice. That is awesome. Very nice, Greg. Oh, very nice. The imagery, the imagery, very strong. Mike Baker was the story about Harbaugh. I I, I love how I love how Eagles fans were like, "Oh, congratulations! You 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 won one game. It's your Super Bowl." Literally, I just watched you guys go dancing off the field at Arrowhead. Wasn't that just one game? Was that your Super Bowl? Come on. Last I checked, every game would be one game. Uh, Mike Baker says this was the story about Harbaugh treating players like college students. True. I heard he lost the locker room that way. Yeah. Harbaugh never took off his, I'm a disciplinarian intimidator cap. And that only goes so far with professionals. Well, I'll say this, the who's got it better than us on the final, who's got it better than us after the eight and eight season. I happened to be in a position where I heard it and saw it kind of, I shouldn't have been in there. That guy, the security guard, I said, is, is the, is the uh, locker room open? He's like, yes, sir. So I walked in and there's a little corridor between the main corridor and the locker room. It's about maybe 30 feet wide or 30 feet long. So I'm standing there. And as I'm walking through this corridor, the door to the locker room is, or is open and Harbaugh still, still gathering the players around. He's still talking to them. So now I know, uh Oh, the guy let me in. I shouldn't be in here. I shouldn't be in here, but I knew he was going to wrap up in just a second. So I just stood there off, off, uh, you know, not, not right there in the room. So everybody could see me. I kind of backed up and, um, I heard the, who's got it better than us. And I heard the most unenthusiastic, nobody, nobody. I was like that. It was really bad. So I don't know. 
Um, and yet, you know, I've talked to Alex Boone. I've talked to Dante Whitner. I've talked to Joe Staley. I've talked to many players through the years, and they love Harbaugh and still maintain that he hadn't lost the room, and they would know better than I would, but it just seemed on that day after the 8-8 eight and eight campaign that, I don't know, he Look, was... I love Alex Boone, but Alex Boone will will change his story to serve whatever master he's talking to. I've heard okay. Alex Boone say, no, Harbaugh never lost the room. And I've also heard him say definitively, Jim Harbaugh wore out his welcome with everyone. So, yeah, I felt like I was witnessing guys who I think his act works best in college where you're a freshman, you're a sophomore, you're a junior, you're a senior, you're moving on. I think after four years, people are like, eh. you know, apparently nobody hated Jim Harbaugh more than Andrew Luck. Nobody. Really? Really? Nobody. To the point where when in the last season at the stick, when the Colts came roaring in there and Andrew Luck beat the Harbaugh Niners, apparently that is Andrew Luck's favorite professional win ever. Wow. Yeah. Yazarian. He says, who's got it better than we do? That's scary. He tried to he tried to remember who's got it better than us <laughs> he did on the air. He's like, who's got it better than we do? We kept replaying that over and he over was, and over again. Gary was busy watching Real Housewives that night. <laughs> so that's it for the Supers. Um, we're 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 coming down the stretch here. All right. So 49er wake, wake up. Let me get, let me give you my favorite Shohei Otani rumor since we're all sitting here. I've had MLB Network on. The entire show waiting for the Otani rumor. We've got fans trying to track private airplanes. We've got people in Toronto looking at restaurant reservations. A lot of people think that the the clue to where Otani might be going is wrapped up in this restaurant reservation. Apparently, one of the best sushi places in Toronto has had a 50-person reservation made close to Rogers Center. A 50-person party has booked a reservation at the best sushi restaurant near Rogers Center in Toronto. Does that mean Shohei Otani is going to the Blue Jays, Larry? Yes, it does. I would say, I would I would think that um, uh, that he's going to L.A. or Toronto. So uh, and I just don't think he's coming to the Giants. I, I, I would love it if he did. Uh, I don't think he's going to, and uh, there was a lot of talk. I mean, here's the one that clinched it for me, Damon, is that I read a story this week that Shohei made a trip to Dunedin, Florida, yeah, to go look at the Toronto Blue Jays' brand-new training facility. And if you know anything about Shohei, supposedly he is just a real, you know, he's really into, you know, what you would think, right? Playing baseball and training to play baseball. They've got a world-class brand new facility there in Dunedin. I'm sure they've been bragging about it. Uh, and they flew him out and he checked it out. I mean, you're not, come on, you're not flying to Dunedin, Florida, um, you know, and, and visiting Dunedin, Florida, unless you're really, really serious. Inter you know, Ju uh, the Jays have an international fan base. It's an international market. Um, you know, I just, I just think, uh, you know, I mean, I, they supposedly Toronto, he met them. Toronto's a great city. It's a beautiful city. You're right. It's very international. It's very diverse. But let me tell you, the last thing Major League Baseball needs is to have the single greatest attraction that they can offer as a player go to the Toronto Blue Jays. 
you might as well have stayed in Anaheim. You're just as irrelevant. And look, I mean, look, the Toronto Blue Jays are a better franchise. They're well-run. They're very competitive. They're a good outfit. But the only time they appear on television with any interest is if they're playing the Yankees or the Red Sox. That's it. You know, the, 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 the Toronto Blue Jays have not once, not once captured the imagination of the continental United States. And to um, have him go up there would be a just a shame. It would really, really be a shame. I'm glad. I'm, I'm secretly, I'm glad because it'd be better than the Dodgers. Because if this guy is cranking home runs into McCovey Cove for the Dodgers for the next twelve years, that would be a skin yourself alive and throw yourself off the top of the Golden Gate Bridge level scenario for Giants fans. Yeah, no, it'd be bad. It'd be really bad. But I don't, I don't love this move for the Giants. One. You don't know if this guy's ever going to pitch again. You're going to pay him as a two-way player. He may not be a two-way player. Um, so at the end of the day, then what are you paying for? You're paying for a DH. Um, who do, You know, I mean, come on. I don't want to pay that kind of money for a DH. I just don't. I mean, I, I'd rather I'd rather take that, that money, money and spend it. I mean, that's a thing. I mean, like, he's, he's good. The nice thing. Pitching. He can the nice thing be without pitching, Larry. That's how good he is. Yeah, he's he's a good hitter. He's a good hitter. There's no question. But um, I mean, when you really think about it, it's like I understand why the ownership is intrigued because it's like there probably is no dollar figure that's a bad deal to sign Shohei because he's an international superstar. He's tra- his you know he transcends. He's a draw. He would pack the house. But if the Giants have an awesome draw and don't win. I don't think the fans show up if they don't have an awesome draw and they do win. I think the fans still do show up. I think even though we love stars here and they would love to have a recreate Barry Bonds or Tim Linscomb. And I kind of think of them. I think their pursuit of Shohei and, and Yamamoto is like, Hey, they look at Shohei as bonds and they look at Yamamoto as Linscomb. And I think they're really interested in both those guys. What I want is for the giants to have an agreement in place with Shohei Otani and then their doctors flunk his physical and he can't do it. <laughs> yeah. I just don't think that, that you know, when you look at the money that you're going to, that he's going to command, I'd rather spread that money around. I'd much rather have, if you said to me, you can have Shohei for 600 million or you could have Yamamoto, Cody Bellinger, Reese Hoskins, and another player. I'm taking Cody Bellinger, Reese Hoskins, Yamamoto. So I, I don't. Uh, I I I think the 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 Giants, you know, they're an iconic franchise. Uh, they're in a down spell right now. They don't have any star players. But um, what I think is going on. I think that they would be. Uh, I think I'd rather go with Bellinger and Reese Hoskins and Yamamoto. Cody Bellinger will instantly become your least favorite San Francisco giant of all time. That guy is going to be an overpaid misspend. I don't care how good of a defensive glove he is in center field. Cody Bellinger is a still soft hitting, light hitting center. His numbers in Chicago were more of an illusion than they were a he's back, everybody. Trust me. 304 in a league where like it seemed like everybody in the rest of the league was hitting 200. Right. But I mean, you want to talk a soft 304. His, 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 his average ball off the bat speed was not indicative of that batting average that he put up. You got a lot. But it's of not just the batting average. I mean, the guy also, 
the guy also had good numbers if you look at his stats. Good numbers. At 26 home runs, 97 RBIs, 20 steals. Um, he, you know, he's he's had 39 home runs, 25, 47. I mean, he's done it multiple years. I don't know. I mean, every one of these guys is a risk, but he's coming off a year this year where he hit 26 homers, drove in 97, stole 20, caught six times, hit 307, 356 on base. The one thing I don't like is I don't like the idea. I mean, he, he's born in Scottsdale where the Giants train, so that's going to be very comfortable for him. Um, I, I The thing about Cody Bellinger is that it's free agency, so you're always going to have to pay more and longer than you want to pay. And the one thing that worries me is the 12-year deal. I don't like the idea of signing him for 12 years. Yeah. I'd rather pay him, you know, instead of 12 years at 25, how about how about 28 for like, you know, six yeah. years? Right. No, yeah, years. That's way, it's way too long to commit in a I'm not committing to a guy who's had in the last three years two bad years and one good year for the next 12 years. But the Giants are not, you know, when you're when you're in the free agent market, you're essentially a beggar. You're not. You know, this is not a situation you've got to out. You've got to do something to attract these players. But I would say to me, what's really exciting is Yamamoto reminds me a lot of Lincecum. And I, I just think Yamamoto, I studied Yamamoto um, for a few hours about a couple of weeks ago and just went and watched everything I could find on Yamamoto. And he reminds me of Linscombe. He's got the big step forward. He's kind of diminutive, but he throws hard. And he's got command. And he's got, you know, three-plus pitches. He's got a curveball that's very unique. Uh, he's got a splitter that's just dirty. He's got a 96 to 98-mile-an-hour fastball. He's just pumping it in there. Um, he's 25. And even if you went 10 years, you're talking about 25 to 35. So you're getting more of the prime years. I want uh, yeah. Yamamoto and uh, Otani. Get them both. There's the Charles Johnson family has more money to spend than they know what to do with. And there's no re look. Let's say the Giants win 107 games and nobody gives a shit. Because that just happened. Like they just went through that. They just saw that. This town reacts to you got to have a reason to lean forward. And Cody Bellinger is not going to be that reason. Uh, Shohei Otani, they should put down. Well, not alone, but I mean, the Giants, like, if, here's the problem. You sign Shohei tomorrow, you give him $600 million. Who's protecting him in the lineup? Why is he not breaking Barry Bonds' walk record? Okay, he is. here's the thing. So break Barry Bonds' walk record. That's good. That's that's an on-base percentage that makes him one of the most dangerous at-bats still in the league. Like, but who's uh, coming up next? Wilmer Flores? Probably. Yeah, I mean, so that's not a good situation. I'd much rather take um, Shohei's money, which is going to be fat, and get Bellinger and Reese Hoskins. When you're being protected by money, uh, Reese Hoskins wants to be a giant. Damon, he told right. Dave, he told Dave Fleming that he loves San Francisco. He went to Jesuit High School in Sac. He went to uh, Sac State. He really has an interest in being in Northern California. To me, and maybe because I'm from here, that means a lot. And also. I like Reese Hoskins. He's a right-handed power hitter. Um, I, you know, he tore the ACL last year, but he's still a relatively young player. You put him at first. You got Bellinger in center, something like that. Maybe Yamamoto. You get Yamamoto and Webb, and you know, I'm, I, I really, I think Yamamoto is going to be the talk of baseball. I'm what I've kind of fear for the Giants is that they're going to miss on Yamamoto, and they're going to 
try to you know replace him with like Lucas Giolito or something. Well, like right that. now we got uh, Steve Phillips on on uh, on high heat talking about how Yankees and Mets are going after Yamamoto. So yeah, but there's a lot of talk that Yamamoto wants to be on the West Coast. So if that's the truth, then the Giants, you know, obviously are going to be that team. There's also been a lot of talk that, I mean, you heard Kruko. I don't know if you, Kruko said that if the Giants don't sign a monster free agent, that he'll quit. That he's like, I'm that confident they're going to sign a big name guy. So either they know that they're going to get Otani or they know that they're going to pivot after not getting Otani and just drop a boatload of cash on one of these. I mean, who are the big name guys that he could be referring to if he's talking about a monster free agent? There's only a few of them, right? It's Bellinger. It's Yamamoto. It's, um, it's Otani. Um, but Blake Snell, I don't know who else would qualify. I'll say this though. If you said make, you know, wager on it, what would you wager? They would do. My guess is, and I've, I'm kind of bummed by this because I just talked to Casey Schmidt two nights ago. Um, I think they're going Matt Chapman. I think I could see I could see Bellinger, Matt Chapman, Yamamoto. Look, they'd be. I, I think that's, that's it's not sexy. It's not selling a lot of tickets. It's not inspiring a wave of phone calls looking for season tickets. If that is the move, but they would be a better team. They still might be a third place team in their own division. Because the Diamondbacks are getting better. Diamondbacks just added uh what Eduardo Rodriguez, the lefty yeah. from Detroit yeah. the other day. And they've uh, already got Zach Gallen. They've Gallen got and Merrill Kelly. Merrill I mean Kelly. Yeah. I mean, Diamondbacks are better. The Diamondbacks, the Padres, and the Dodgers the all the are better than the Giants. Soto, right? But they got back a serious army of minor league arms. So expect that Padres minor league system to now be regarded as one of the best, which is going to give them the ability to maybe flip one of those players for the hitter that they need. You know, it's thanks to that their whole, we're adding Soto for three, at least three years of postseason play. They only got one postseason out of him. And it was a postseason that saw Tatis suspended for PEDs. So like it was, it was a mess. The Padres, they didn't do that well. And they they're on another manager. Now it's the whole thing's a mess. The, the Giants best move this offseason might be Soto's out of the division. <laughs> That's the, which they, is really a depressing way to look at it. I mean, yeah, no, they, <laughs> they, uh, they could be right there with the Colorado Rockies in terms of that's who you are in pecking order of the NL West. It is Dodgers first and foremost, followed by the, the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are just champions of the National League followed by the San Diego Padres, even in the absence of Juan Soto. And now you're, you know, you're, you're playing who's last place with the Colorado Rockies. That could be the year that they're in for unless something massive happens. Well, they need it. They need it badly. Uh, the fans are losing patience. The, the attendance fell through the floorboards. They play a, they're getting ripped by guys who don't rip. You know, Tom Verducci ripping, Matt Viscursion ripping. These guys don't rip. They're it's ripping one thing you. to be called. It's one thing to be said. They, they just, you know, they're bringing way too many knives to a gunfight. It's another thing to say the way that they go about fighting is boring. And that's right. what those guys said. They're boring. Which is a, in, in a, in a, you know, that's like almost worse than being bad. I'd almost rather be bad than boring. Be bad with uh, the kids than be boring with vets. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 
the Giants, I mean, I've got my own YouTube channel. I could come on any day I want any and talk about anything I want. And I've devoted the channel in the last year to Niner football because Niners offseason drives a bigger audience than 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 Niners offseason bigger than Giants in season. Think about oh, that. Look, Niners offseason might be bigger than Giants postseason, Larry, if we're being completely honest about it. Yeah. So if the, I would love to see the Giants get exciting. Um, you and I will recreate sports phone 680 at six o'clock every night. Um, you know, and, 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 and take calls all day and all night. If the Giants, the way, Larry, I'm recreating sports phone in a half an hour on the plus where it's a sports phone Friday and we're going to be taking we video don't. calls. Oh, video calls. Good video calls, video calls. Uh, you and Kevin have shown me how to do it. And it's fun, and that's what we're going to be doing on Fridays, Sports Phone Fridays, now on the Damon Bruce Plus. Please like and subscribe. Please do. 408-Killer-Killer-Shark-1 says, I would rather stay at Levi Stadium than FedEx Field, LOL. Well, again, Um, you just compared Levi Stadium to, without a doubt, the worst stadium in football. So, yes. Really? I've never been to FedEx. Uh, James Foster says Bellinger was legit immediately or legit immediately one of the worst hitters for a two-year stretch in L.A. I'm disgusted with all the Dodgers players Farhan brings in. Again, Bellinger had a little bit of an illusion. What other Dodger players has he brought in? Am I missing something here? Who are the the Dodger players that the Giants have? Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm missing that can't really picture i can't think of any um can anybody <laughs> anybody got a, a dodger player let me let me see is there a dodger player that the giants have i can't think of who it is off the top of my head who's, who's the ending dodger uh let's see i'm looking at their roster i don't see any dodger player um Anybody, anybody, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Um, I would say no. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't, don't yeah. I and don't his, see Dodger he hasn't brought in Bellinger, so he hasn't even brought him in. So he's brought in no Dodgers players. It's not the time <laughs> to be disgusted. Right, right, exactly. Uh, and we got this one from I'm old Greg. The only chance of the Giants signing a power hitter is getting Barry out of retirement, still better than the whole roster last season. There you I go. I guarantee you Barry could have led the Giants in home runs last year. God. Just make Barry a DH. Why not? Why not? Why not? Let's Seriously, at this point, got, Seriously. you know, he'd be, he'd be more fun than watching some of the guys they put out there. Look at it this way. There'd be a lot more dignity for Barry Bonds having a bad year at DH than being in commercial breaks selling Diablo grills. <laughs> That's right. Get the, get the grills. What, what did Barry pay for his? Probably nothing. He must be a part owner. That's got to be a friend of his, right? Jacques Peterson. There you go. Jacques Peterson is your former Dodger. Jacques Peterson. There you go. Jacques Peterson. I knew that had to be somebody. Had to be. Some- Maybe they'll go for uh, uh, who's the guy who had the uh, uh, who's the the guy with the this guy with the sword. Remember, remember the the pitcher who got in trouble for his escapades in the bedroom. Oh, freaking! Uh, oh, we're forgetting his name now. Trevor uh, Bauer. Trevor, Trevor Bauer. Bauer. Yeah. No, it's not going to be. It's not. It's not going to be Bauer. I could Would see you? Trevor Bauer being being a giant. Uh, you know what? Get that guy here. You know, I could see Farhan saying. Fans gonna love him. Fans will love him. Yeah, he's a reclamation project. 
fans will dig him. It'll, it'll be it'll, AJ it'll be Pollock was a Dodger. They brought in AJ Pollock. I don't know if you can actually say they brought in AJ Pollock. He got no hits. Right. He AJ did not Pollock get one hit here in the Giants uniform. He didn't reach first base, Larry. He didn't Never. touch first base once. And this was coming from uh, you know during a, a a cycle where Farhan's like, hey, we're going to be very active. We're going to turn no stones going to go unturned. We are going to be absolutely in the mix for every major guy there is. AJ Pollock, thanks for coming. Um, okay, let's. We got this one. Oh, Stripling, there, there you go. Oh, and Alex Wood, James Foster, Jock Stripling, Alex Wood, and Pollock. I mean, so maybe more than we yeah. thought, but so there you I, go. I, by I way, stand corrected. I can't stand Jock Peterson. He's like my least favorite giant. It, it like this doughy, pudgy, not even interested in hitting home runs over a couple months when they need him to the most. And then, you know, super cocky year, for no reason. End of the year, he hits all these total garbage time home runs when you're totally out of it. It's just, ugh. Yeah. I and saw he, him up close. I saw his act up close in spring training uh, when I was down there in the clubhouse. And it's just like, he thinks he's really cool. Any man who, Get slapped over a fantasy football situation in Cincinnati and doesn't go defcon again. Seriously, throw a couple blows, bud. It's 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 why to this day I still you know have a problem with Chris Rock. You cannot let a man slap you like that and not go full defcon one. <laughs> you, you can't. You can't. You can't. It doesn't even matter if you lose. Just start throwing hands. Look, I really. I mean. That there's was weak. Other, there's not a lot of other men that I can say I love. Larry Kruger, I kind of love you. You've been an Thank awful you. big part of my career. You've been a huge part of my pivot. You've helped me so much uh, coming to YouTube. If you slapped me, <laughs> I would come through this TV screen and wouldn't stop till I had gone through your family. I mean, what do you, just, you cannot get slapped by another man and just be like, all right. You just can't. You can't. Not. Yeah, not. No. I mean, it doesn't. It's not about win or lose at that point. It's just about. Come on. You just gotta. You just gotta. There are certain things we cannot tolerate, and me being slapped by another man is right at the top of that list. Well, I mean, you know, if 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 a if a true bad a, you know, went at you and he, all of his boys were there, and it was like if you fought back, you were just going to get pummeled. That's one situation. But if somebody actually you know, you know, comes and slaps you or whatever. I mean, just fight back. Just fight back. You have to. Again, I mean, I don't I tell my kids walk away, don't get involved, don't don't start fights, this and that. But defend yourself. You absolutely defend yourself at all times, without a doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Anyway. I think we've officially reached the end of the show here, Larry. It is great that we're doing 49ers wake up now twice a week. It's the, it's the show that this city deserves. It's the show that the city never got. And now we bring it to them. It's, it's, it's the gift that we give Ralph. What do you think? Well, you know, <laughs> I was telling Tom and I told Tate, I even told Krug, he's cute. He always gets so angry about the Giants. But I said to him, you know, Chance real. Chance a real guy. He's real. He's, he comes on with me. Sometimes I, I told Chance, let's go to Amici's. 
Let's go to Amici's and we'll get the crust. I like it a little bit more burnt. I told I told you if we're gonna share a pie at Amici's. We gotta go to Amici's and we gotta we gotta get a little burnt, a little burnt. And I love the lemon pepper wings. You gotta get the lemon pepper wings, Kent. I get them atomic. Tommy likes them mild. Sometimes people get them a little hotter than they should. Always get get. I always go atomic because atomic leaves a little spice. I like a little spice. I always told that to Tate. I can't, believe, I can't believe that you ordered the wings. I thought you were a vegetarian. By the way, I like a well-done pie myself. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I am a vegetarian. I, you know, I'm, a, I'm a vegetarian. I was the salutarian of my high school class, but I'm, I am a vegetarian. <laughs> and, and, I, and all the tarians that there are, I, I've always been them. And, and I look at you as a meat eater. Is that true? Are you really a meat eater? <laughs> Good night, Irene. <laughs> Peace, everybody. Have a great Friday. Check Damon out on the uh, on the call-in show. I will be joined in 10 minutes on the Krug Show by Chase Sr. We'll talk more about the Niners and the Hawks. Have a great Friday, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. For Damon, I'm Larry. Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, wait a second. What happened? Out. <laughs> Rob, what happened? take two. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.